Bom dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is, of course, Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 190. This is a very exciting time in Portugal. Uh, we, of course, have the Clásico, the day I dropped this episode. We, of course, we've got week uh, match day seven. Uh, we've got uh, Champions League football next week with uh, Braga, Porto, and Benfica back in action. And, of course, also next Thursday, Sporting uh, getting ready to play uh, Europa at home. And then, of course, next Friday as well, when you hear this, we'll near the squad selections for Roberto Martinez's uh, next squad selections for the upcoming matches at home against Slovakia and the way to Bosnia and Herzegovina. So a lot going on this week. Uh, this is a lot of fun as we now begin uh, starting this weekend to enter the month of October. And I'll also talk a little bit about the Taça do Portugal draw, the best signings so far in Portugal. And uh, that'll be some of the things that I'll be get going on this edition. But uh, I want to start off episode 190 talking about the schedule in Portugal and... Um, very interesting week this week where we saw Estrela uh, Madura Braga take place on a Thursday. Um, and I say that because generally when there is Champions League football the week before, usually those teams, especially the ones that play on Tuesday, would play on Friday. And uh, it was kind of nice to see um, to see Braga play on Thursday because that gives Braga an extra day uh, to prepare for their match against uh, Union Berlin uh, next Tuesday in uh, Germany. And the other reason why I think they put Estrela Madura Braga on Thursday is because, of course, you've got the big Clásico on Friday. And in case people wonder, well, what's the big deal? Well, I think the Liga is finally starting to hear the message about trying to make sure that matches kick off at a good time. So instead of trying to squeeze two matches on a, a Friday night, which would have forced one of these matches to start at 2045, uh, the clubs have basically, um, you know, and they've agreed to it as well. Uh, the matches instead, you know, you've got had a match at 2015 on a Thursday night, and you had a match at 2015 on a Friday night, obviously the big one, uh, the Classico. And let's not forget Champions League football and Europa League football, unless you're playing the early match, um, all of them are at 20 hundred hours. So in a way, I like this schedule. I like the fact that uh, I did start on a Thursday only because I think it gives Braga more time to prepare for next Tuesday, and I like the fact that the Classico is on a Friday. And by the way, a lot of the Porto Classicos with Benfica, a lot of them have been played, it seems, in the middle of the week. You know, of course, we had the Super Cup, uh, what was it, maybe over a month ago, it was played on a Wednesday night, and that was because, of course, the uh, Pope's visit to Lisbon that weekend, and uh, because of everything going on and the over a million visitors to Lisbon, they decided to move that match uh, to the middle of the uh, week. But it's good to see the Liga paying attention, I think, to the schedules, not starting matches uh, very late to allow fans, especially the supporters, to travel. It's not easy to go from Feyenoord to Braga. Uh, only the real diehards would do that because that's tough unless you're doing it on a, a Friday night or a Saturday night, depending on your uh, work schedule. But I think uh, I think we're finally starting to see, especially with, like I said, Braga, uh, you know, get, did not play their weekend match before the Champions League playoff. They wound up eventually playing in the international break. So I think the Liga has to be commended. I think the clubs have spoken and they're being listened to. And I think everyone, including TV, has finally said that 
I think it's in everybody's best interest to make sure that the clubs are rested, that they get a chance to prepare, and that they get a chance to focus. Because obviously with Portuguese clubs dropping to seventh place in Europe, with some of the disappointments we have, we certainly need to do everything we can to put Portuguese clubs in the best position. Not to mention the fact that nobody wants to see a match like I think it happened a few times last year and definitely a few years ago. We used to have matches at like 20, I think it was once was 21-15, 9-15 at night. And um, that sounds a little bit too, that's a little bit too late. Um, so it's I, so let me just say off the bat again, it's really, really good um, to see that perhaps the schedules are taken into account. And uh, look, for us in uh, North America, uh, here in the States and Canada, you know, a match that starts at, uh, let's say, 21-15 in uh, Portugal, that's 4-15 here. That actually gives people an opportunity when they get home from work to still watch some of that mat late match. But obviously, when it comes to the actual people that are buying tickets in Portugal, it's just not a very good idea. But um, but Braga in Nastrula Madura did play. Uh, Braga winning 4-2. Um, I'll talk more about Braga in the second half of my episode when I talk about Braga and the uh, big three. But Braga is an offensive machine, and um, they went on the road a few weeks ago, won 3-2 at More Dance. Tonight they go to Estrela Madura, won 4-2. They seem to play a little bit better on the road than they do at home in the Pedrera, but nevertheless, uh, big win uh, for Braga. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking to you about the Clásico in my, my Liga preview, only because by the time you listen to this, if you wind up listening to it, let's say Saturday, Sunday, or Monday, it's really not relevant anymore because you would have known the results. So let me just leave you with this thought for the Clásico, which is when Porto and Benfica play is obviously one of the big matches in Portugal, um, one of the most highly uh, watched matches in Portugal. And as a result, there's a lot of excitement for it. But there's also a lot of security for this match. There's a lot of tension around the cities where these matches uh, take place. But to me, there's really two things about this match that I think are very important. Um, and to me, it's very, very simple. If you're Porto and you go to the Stadio de Luz, which, by the way, Conceição has had some success going to the Luz, and you win, you've got a four-point lead going into the month of October, and that is a big, big psychological factor. If you're Benfica and you win, you basically leapfrog over Porto ahead of them into the table. And most importantly, you beat your big rival. You already had a loss, but even though you've already lost to another club in the Liga, now you're still in front of Porto. And I think that's a very important uh, psychological factor, not to mention the fact that the fans and the supporters, of course, uh, will be happy. And um, if they wind up drawing... Um, not a good result for Benfica because you want all three points at home against one of your uh, biggest rivals. But, of course, if that happens, and the team that really benefits, of course, will be sporting because then they will have an opportunity uh, possibly to build their lead in first place uh, by four points. This is um, sporting's best start since, I think, 2017-2018 season. Uh, certainly their best start uh, with Ruben Amarin. They've been playing very well at home. And uh, Sporting uh, this weekend will be going down to the Algarve to play Ferenc. That's, by the way, your RTP international match uh, for the week. So, to me, there's three results. Uh, one, obviously, the wins or the losses will benefit whoever wins. But if they draw, this benefits Sporting. And I think Ruben Amarin uh, mentioned that. So, this is a good match. I hope you get an opportunity uh, to watch it. If not, maybe you can get a chance to record it, uh, obviously. Uh, last I checked, Gold TV in the States uh, will be uh, broadcasting uh, this game. But uh, again, Thursday, 
The Liga Betclick uh, match day seven started. We've got the class with Estrela Madura, Braga, then, of course, Befica Porto. And then the rest of the weekend, we still have plenty of football. Um, everything gets going on Saturday morning with Vizela, Portimonense. Then you have Boa Vista trying to come back from last week's uh, disappointment. They will be taking on uh, Fama at home. And then, of course, we said Verdens against Sporting. And then you've got three more matches on Sunday with Aroca Chaves. Chaves got that point. Last week with their new manager, Moreno, um, they were down 2-0, 2-0, came back. And even though they didn't get the three points, I think they're just glad that they got a point. And most importantly, the way they did it, scoring two goals late in the match to try to earn the point. And that could be a very important psychology uh, for this team. Then, of course, you got Vitoria Guimarães at home against Estoril Praia, uh, who, of course, also uh, made a, a managerial change as well, uh, last I remember. And then, of course, you have uh, Riwav at home against Moreirense. And that pretty much wraps up your uh, Sunday action. And then, of course, on uh, Monday, uh, you've got Gil Vicente against the Casa of Pia. Best match this weekend, obviously, no doubt, it is, of course, the Clásico with Benfica against uh, Porto. Uh, but if you're asking me what's the other good match to pay attention uh, to this weekend that is uh, remaining this weekend... Uh, I think the one that I'm going to be paying attention to is, of course, Boa Vista against Familia Cone. First off, you have the fifth-place team playing the sixth-place team, and Fama has been doing very, very well, uh, managed to stay uh, near the top. Again, this is a club that has sold a lot of players for a lot of money. They've got a tremendous new complex for their uh, football facilities, and I think that this match on Saturday would probably be, in my opinion, uh, the uh, best match after the uh, Classico on uh, Friday. Uh, big news, of course, when we look at it, when we start talking about um, as far as the you know the Classico goes, of course. Um, well, let me just say I won't stick with the Classico, but when we look at players that are out this weekend, uh, Pedro Meiru is out for Boa Vista. That is a very very big uh, loss. Uh, Sila is out for Moreirense. Uh, Gil Vicente and Braga have no injury. St. Juice continues to be on the uh, medical bulletin with a uh, knee, knee injury. It's amazing to me how many times he has been uh, injured. Um, Vitoria Guimarães, Ricardo Mangas is also uh, injured. He is listed last I remember day-to-day. Chaves, uh, Ruben Lameiras is also a player that's under. Uh, Joca is another player with Rio Ave that is listed as doubtful. And when we continue down, I think those are the uh, the, the players that kind of uh, stick out. Uh, one player for Roca, uh, Rafa Mojica, uh, who's been doing a lot of great stuff for this club. Uh, he was sent off last week, so he's not available uh, this uh, weekend. So match day seven of the Liga, it is moving along. Um, and then pretty soon, before you know it, we're going to have the uh, international uh, break. Um, Second division report last week, there was no football because, of course, we had um, Taça de Portugal with the second round. And I'll talk about that draw coming up here for the third round in a minute. But everything that's going on uh, Friday, 1800-hour uh, match before the Clásico. And that's Vila Verdense from Vila Verde up north in Minho. They will be taking on at home against Benfica B. Vila Verdense in last place. 
Uh, a club, of course, uh, closest to my favorite uh, city, Arcs de Valvias, and they've been really struggling. And then, of course, you've got two matches on Sunday. Oliverance against Santa Clara. you got basically the third and fifth place team playing right there. And then, of course, you've got the second place team, Maritimo, uh, playing Mafra. And, of course, Mafra has a lot of players from that Danish club. Uh, Mafra, though, is only in the middle of the pack. A lot of work to do with seven points. And then you've got a busy Sunday with four matches. Uh, the one that sticks out for me is Les Choins versus FC Porto B, two local teams. Uh, you've got AVS. Uh, yeah, they will be playing the early match on Sunday against Academico du Vizel. And then you've got another good match there with Leiria versus Tundela. And then, of course, my favorite team in the second division. I have a lot of family in Torres Vedras. You know, you're probably bored of me hearing saying that. And that's fourth place Torrents from Torres Vedras. They will be taking on Bilanenses, who is uh, middle of the pack. They're doing okay. Sometimes it takes a, a team one or two years to really get their footing in a new division before they can really compete to move up. And as we all know about Bill and Nances, they've done a pretty great job moving up from the districts, trying to come back to the first division after all the issues with uh, their Bill and Nances Saad club. And um, interesting uh, match, I think, for me, and this one will be taking place on Monday night. Turians and Torres Vedras taking on Bilanenses. And again, AVS, formerly Vila Frequence, is in first place with 13 points. Meritimu, of course, they want to get uh, first division club back in in Madeira in second place with 12. Santa Clara from the Azores is in the playoff position right now with 11 points. But let's be honest with you folks, it's a little bit too early to be talking about, uh, in my opinion at least, um, you know, talking about uh, teams and where they finish, we, of course, have a, a very, very uh, long way to go. Uh, women's football, we saw the women's national team last week. They were in action. Um, they lost their first match. By the way, they're playing in the first ever UEFA Nations League uh, that they were able to uh, play. Uh, Portugal lost to France 2-0, but they did beat Norway at home. And three to two, and it's the first time. And again, this is a brand new competition. It's only their second match. A lot of people... We're, you know, basically promoting the fact that, you know, they won their first ever match with the Nations League, which I'm very happy about, but it was also only their second match, to uh, to be fair. But uh, domestic football returns for the Liga BPI this weekend. Uh, match day two, and that all gets going on Saturday with Fama against Atletico Orient. Uh, as far as the big teams, you've got uh, Sporting going up north to take on Veladares de Gaia. You've got Benfica at home in Seychelles taking on Meritimu. And then everything ends on uh, Monday with my favorite name, Racing Power FC, taking on Braga in a uh, Monday 1,500-hour uh, uh, match, uh, which I found interesting. And by the way, let me look up this team. Oh, this team, by the way, Racing Power Football. Their nickname is Our Power Racing and Power Rangers. <laughs> How about that? Uh, they are from Seychelles. Uh, so they're from the uh, same area that uh, Benfica's from. And um, they uh, they lost, uh, let me look at this, they lost their first match in the Liga last uh, two weeks ago before the international break, 3-2, uh, to uh, two dummy uh, ends. Uh, let me just continue going here with a few things. First off, Liga notes. Um, let me just start off, for, well, let me just go with the Taça do Portugal draw, which obviously came out this weekend. If you want to know a little bit more about why people get excited about the Taça de Portugal, why they call it the Festa, is if you hit the lottery of having one of the big clubs in Portugal coming to your town, 
You're going to make a lot of money selling tickets, unless you, you know, especially if you bring it to a bigger stadium. You're going to bring a lot of people into your city, especially people that come in. They want to share in the festival. The local fans are excited. Many are going to try to go to a game. Not many people, unfortunately, go to a lot of the smaller league uh, football leagues. But it's like a jackpot. And one of the teams that hit the jackpot was a team from the Azores. And it's not even from the main island. It's one of the small islands. That's Lusitania do Azores. They'll be playing uh, Benfica, so they hit the uh, jackpot. That match, by the way, uh, according to what I'm reading right now, looks like it's going to be on a Thursday night, which means Benfica's got Champions League the following week. And uh, that match is, uh, if I'm looking at this correctly, is listed for the 19th of October, a Thursday night. Braga's going to be making a trip to play Rui Bordosa. Uh, Porto's going to be going to Trash de Montes. Uh, not necessarily a long ride, but uh, certainly not very long. Uh, to play a club from the Transmonts region of fourth division. Sporting will be making even a much smaller uh, trip, uh, staying in the Lisbon area to go play the Sportivo Levais Mascavid. And um, let me look at here any other surprise. Again, the smaller clubs here all host the matches. Again, this is why it's a, a bit of a jackpot. Um, you know, I'm just looking at it here. And there are still a few clubs that are going to be hosting uh, the matches. I think Santa Clara, it looks like they're hosting Vianans from Viana do Castelo. But it's just a fun time. Uh, and by the way, this match days will take place the week after the international break. So don't forget, we're going to have two weekends in the middle of October where we'll, we will not have any Liga Betclick football. So um, the, the, one of the teams that I thought had it really tough was Boa Vista is going to be making that short trip to play Oliverance, which is one of the tougher teams in the uh, second division. And then we also saw Belenenses play Gil Vicente. Of course, these are two clubs whose history is tied to the Casu Mateos and a lot of the controversy that came from that. I suggest you look it up on Wikipedia. It's an incredible story. I remember it very, very well, uh, the controversy. And uh, it's one of those things where administratively, I think this problem could have been avoided if they figured out that a certain player. I think FIFA doesn't allow you to play for more than two clubs in any particular year from, I think, uh, July the 1st to June the 30th. And I think there was a player, he did play in three clubs, the third this time being Gilles Vicente. And it became a whole big thing where perhaps one of the clubs he played for, it wasn't legitimate. And it was just this whole thing. Again, shouldn't have gone in that direction. But this match will bring back a lot of bad feelings. It will bring back a lot of emotions during a time that was not very pretty for Portugal, Portuguese football, Portuguese soccer. Uh, but nevertheless, they've been uh, you know take, put together. And Torrientes, and, uh, my favorite club, they'll be getting a chance and they'll be hosting Rio Ave at home. I think this is a very good match for Torrientes. Rio Ave, not playing, doing the greatest season. You know, I've seen a lot of people talk up their manager and he's doing a pretty good job. But so far, they've been struggling Rio Ave. They have not uh, been doing uh, well so far. So I think that that's something... Uh, worthy to pay attention to. I think that's going to be a very, very good match uh, between Turians and Riwav. And again, a lot of time left until we go. This doesn't take place until uh, the uh, third week of um, of October. And that wraps up part one of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. <laughs> part two of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. Welcome back. As I always do at the beginning of the second episode, I just wanted to take my opportunity to say thank you so much, muito obrigado, for taking um, time out of your busy week to listen to this podcast. Uh, great numbers, great comments. Uh, I'll be having my uh, my listener, my viewer, 
comments toward the end of this episode. I've got three good questions this week that were asked of me. And again, uh, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Podcast Attic. Uh, I also put up the um, audio up on uh, YouTube. And of course, you could also listen to it on the website, PortugueseSoccer.com or PeaceSoccer.com as well. And again, whether it's for 10 minutes, whether it's for the whole 40, 45 minute episode. Um, and I always say this to anybody I meet for the first time and they introduce themselves listening to the podcast. I'll say this to you. Thank you so much uh, for listening. And if you're listening for the first time, I hope you will be back. I've been doing this uh, Portuguese soccer expert following the Liga for over 25 years. That's right. Uh, And um, I've seen Portugal from all different angles, from all different generations, from the golden generation to our current great generation. And um, it's been a lot of fun. And that's why I'm here uh, to do it. one thing I wanted to say first off about the national team last week, uh, episode 189, I mentioned I was going to give you some comments about Portugal being ranked in the FIFA rankings of number eight in the world, uh, moving up one spot to number nine. And I actually never got a chance to mention it. I just was just going too fast. So let me just make a quick comment. Um, number eight. In, well, first of all, we were number nine. We moved up to number eight. We haven't played anybody since the World Cup, with all due respect. I would say maybe our toughest opponent was Slovakia. We scored 15 goals against Luxembourg over two matches. Uh, I think the fact that we are ranked in the top 10, I think, is pretty good because I think we are one of the best top 10 teams in the world. But really would like to see Portugal get down to, I, I think at one point we were third or fourth in the world, and I'd like to see us get back down to that as well. Someone told me that the reason why they think Portugal isn't ranked that high because they feel that maybe Cristiano doesn't have much of an influence. I, I don't know if I agree with that, but uh, it's all based on results. And, um, you know, we obviously... Portugal is in prime position next Friday. So when you hear this episode a week from mid next Friday, October the 6th, uh, Roberto Martinez will release his uh, squad selections. I don't expect a lot of changes from his previous selection. My question is, is if they win this next match, that just about all but wraps up qualification. Question then is, does he make wholesale changes and sends guys back to Saudi Arabia and back to the EPL and maybe bring in some of the under-21 players because the under-21s uh, got off to a good start in their group. Be very curious to see what he's going to do between these these, um, these next two matches if they win um, the first match at home against Slovakia. Uh, be very curious to see if they're going to send players home instead of taking them to Bosnia or Govina for a match that at that point is pretty meaningless in terms of Portugal. So we'll see. But next Friday... Uh, we will have that. And what I'll do next Thursday, I'll give you my predictions. Uh, I don't expect a lot of changes, maybe one or two. I don't see Paulinho. I don't see Bruma getting onto the you know list. I don't see Pote, unfortunately. But I will give you my uh, predictions of who I think he'll call up in the uh, next episode uh, for next week since we still have a uh, week uh, to uh, go. Um, let me just give a quick comment. I get people who ask me all the time about um, – it was very popular, by the way. People kept asking me about my opinion on the best signings and – after six match days, uh, what do I think? Um, well, I think for me, the the best one so far in Portugal, if I had to, has to be sporting striker, uh, Victor Goyakers. Um, I think he's obviously been really big time for them. I think Angel Di Marina has been a, uh, Angel Di Maria has been a great signing for Benfica. I think uh, Ivan Jaime has shown a little bit of flashes of brilliance for uh, Porto. Uh, down at the, uh, with the smaller clubs, uh, Cristo of Arroca has been scoring uh, some good goals for Aroca. He's done very well. Pablo Casapia, Samuel Essen from Vizel, I think are another one that look uh, pretty good uh, so far. Um, and I think uh, I think it's been okay. I think uh, so far there's some players that have stepped up. We've seen some players 
uh, that haven't. Uh, a lot of question marks about Trubin, the uh, Ukrainian goalkeeper for Befica. A lot of people worried about him. But uh, one bad Champions League match shouldn't overshadow. Uh, but I'll tell you what, he's going to be tested in this Classico. He's going to be tested in this Classico. Um, and if he does well, then obviously I think he could be up for consideration. But Roger Schmidt's confident. He thinks he's not nervous. But you expect the manager to defend their players. Um, they're not going to go up there and say, yeah, he's nervous. Yeah, he, he you know, he's not going to do well. I, I, I'm a little bit nervous. Yeah, I'm a little bit nervous, but I'm going to go with him because we spent all this money. I don't see that happening. He's always going to defend their players. And if they're putting him out there, it's because they feel that they give them, he gives Benfica their best chance at goalkeeper uh, position. And that's just my opinion uh, with uh, that. Um let me talk about my, uh, I'm going to still say Big Four because I think Braga will at the end of the day finish in the Big Four, but I, I realize resources. But first off with Braga, um, seven matches in the Liga, 18 goals, uh, at least 18 goals they've scored, which leads the Liga at least at least until after they played. We'll, we'll see Befica could overtake that if they score uh, three goals against Porto. But uh, Braga's been a, uh, they've done very well. They seem to play better away from home, at least in terms of how many goals they've scored especially that Morey Dance match a few weeks ago when they won it in uh, stoppage time. And uh, I think for me, Braga um, showing, again, why I think they can be a big club in Portugal. I'm not talking about the size of the stadium or the fan base, but why I think they could compete. But still a lot of work to do, but they do continue. Every once in a while they disappoint, and then every once in a while they put together a, a very good uh, goal results. And, and by the way, how many matches... In the league of bed click have been scored after the 90th minute this season i mean it's great for television remember we were talking about uh, centralized television rights which by the way someone asked me about in one of the questions that i'll answer later in this episode but uh it's great tv when matches are decided after the 90th minute which makes tv watching so great uh but how many matches in the league this year it seems like i mean porto's had so many goals scored after the 90th minute um it's it's literally it, it, it's not good for your heart if you're a Porto fan and you're kind of struggling like that, I think three of them were winners or something like that. Uh, but Braga, uh, got to give Arthur George a lot of credit. Um, a manager from the system. His son, by the way, plays for Fadence, in case you wondered. But basically, he's done a nice job. And I think they're playing very, very well when you think about all the managers. Carlos Carvajal, Paulo Fonseca. Uh, I think Pedro Martins was there one time, and he's kind of followed them along. And uh, big match on Tuesday. A uh, very, very big match on Tuesday uh, for um, Braga. And uh, look, they could have walked away with a 1-1 result at home. It could have saved them a lot of trouble. Um, going away with one point against Napoli would have been just absolutely huge. And at the end of the day, they just weren't able uh, to do it. And again, when you want to be a big club you got to learn how to be a big club. And I think Braga, um, you know, they've got to go to Union Berlin and they've got to get some points. Uh, I'm confident with them. Um, you're playing against a Bundesliga team. A lot of motivation there. You've been playing better on the road, like I've, you know, like I've talked about. I think they've got some opportunity there. But Braga overall has just done a great, great job. Uh, again, they probably are not happy with the points they've dropped in the Liga, but I think you just got to be uh, very, very happy uh, with them. Uh, Benfica this week, they're going to be uh, playing at Inter. Uh, I still think Benfica last year should have gotten past Inter in the uh, Champions League knockout stages. But uh, a big result for Benfica, and it's very simple. There's no sugarcoating this. 
There is no saying it any other way, but Benfica needs to go. Worst case scenario, walk away with the point. Best case scenario, walk away with the uh, three points. They cannot go there and walk away with zero points. Last year, they started off so well in the Champions League group, winning a lot of their matches. And uh, Remember, I think they finished on goal difference, top of the group. They just started so well, got those draws with PSG. But uh, the, the, the formula, their objectives have changed after losing their first match to RB Salzburg. And I think if you're Benfica, you've got to be really very, very careful. So they've got to go there, and they've got to take care of business, uh, beating a team that I'm afraid will uh, not be easy. But obviously the story this week, a lot of talk, like I just talked about, regarding uh, Trubin and, you know, is Trubin going to be up for this match? And I think for me it has nothing to do with Trubin. I mean, obviously you want the kid to make saves. I think it's... You know, all the players that are up top, uh, you know, uh, you know, Di Maria, you know, I don't think he's going to play David Neres and Di Maria at the same time. But those two players, whenever they're in the match, they've got to step up. João Mario has to step up. Rafa has to step up. Uh, Roger Schmidt has everyone available for the Classico. Uh, you're a big time club. You know, you play uh, Porto on Friday night and now on Tuesday you're playing Inter Milan. You're a big club. You got to act like a big club. And I think if you're Benfica, you cannot go to Italy, to Milan, beautiful city. You just can't go there and drop points. It's just you got to go there and win and, and kind of also show a little bit for the disappointment you had last year when you lost, um, you know, in the Champions League uh, knockout uh, stages. Um, moving on here, um, of course, Porto, uh, they'll be playing uh, Barcelona in the, their group match on uh, Wednesday. Porto. Barcelona match was uh, quickly sold out. Not really a, a surprise. Uh, obviously, we don't want to put those reinforcements. Comes from Barcelona and uh, Porto, of course. Great result. And and the bottom line is, is this is a chance to build against one of the top teams in this group, of course, Barcelona. And if you're Porto, you want the three points, but at the very least, you want a draw. Uh, we saw Benfica last year, if I recall, do very well against Barcelona. Porto's team, of course, Porto's a little bit different. Um, the only thing I'm worried about Porto is I don't hear enough about Fran Navarro. I thought he would be a big figurehead, which is why I did not list him so far. I said, predicted he would be one of the best signings, but he's done okay. He's done okay. I think Ivan Jaime has shown me a little bit more. But uh, Porto playing at home, they just celebrated their 130th anniversary. Some people say it's 119. I'm not going to get into it. I don't know how you can say 130 or how you could say 119, uh, especially when the club is saying 130. But if you put 119, people think you're doing wrong to Porto. Well, no, that's what the club is saying, 130. What's going on there? It's just it doesn't make any sense why they would be. It should be pretty obvious when the club started. But whatever, it turns out to be a bit of a controversy. But it's been a big week for Porto. Uh, Pinto de Costa also announced that they're building their academy in the suburbs of Maya. They're in the uh, Porto region. It's hard to believe Porto hasn't had an academy. And there's also been talk that Porto will also start a women's team. So a uh, big week for Porto celebrating their club, celebrating the 130th anniversary. The supporters did a big fireworks display by the river. And uh, Porto, of course, having a very big week. And it could be even a bigger week. If they could beat Barcelona at home. So we'll see. Uh, sporting. Uh, they'll be getting ready. They'll be playing as well on uh, Thursday. Sport, um, sporting of course. With that great result last week. Going to Austria. And coming back down to a win. Um, 
Sporting this week, uh, boy, I'm falling behind here. Um, let me see. Sporting this week, they'll be at home. Oh, this is the big one. To Atalanta from Syria. So another Syria club coming uh, to Portugal. Um, we saw obviously the disappointment with Braga and Napoli. But if you're sporting, uh, you haven't lost this season. You know, you did have a draw in uh, the Liga. This is a big uh, home match. And by the way, this is the early match on Thursday at 1745, okay, on Thursday. So they'll be playing the early match in Alvalade. I can tell you a lot of fans uh, will have to get out of work for that one. But uh, Atlanta is the other, I think, very good team in this group. And I think if you're sporting, you got to go for the uh, three points at home. In my opinion, sporting, with the way everybody's been playing, the, their signings have been, let's be honest with you, they've done very well with their signings too. At one point this summer... I think, what was it, late July, Sporting had only signed one player. Well, it's kind of worked out for them, and, and they're doing a really good job. And Ruman Amadine is continuing to show, in my opinion, that he's one of the best young managers in the world and continuing to do that. But uh, Sporting can take a big step in their qualification goals uh, by winning at home on Thursday. And again, that'll be the early uh, afternoon uh, match. Um few other things about sporting, of course, Marcus Edwards scoring a goal last week. Um, <clears throat> not a player with a lot of words when he talks to the press. Um, it's the second time, I think, in a year that he's done the post-match interview where he gets the player, the, the match player award. And then, you know, he's interviewed by Sport TV and he has these very short answers. And um, look, some people aren't very comfortable talking in front of the camera. Um, I will tell you that if it was one of my players and he wasn't comfortable, I might... Look for a way not to have him do interviews, but perhaps uh, legal reasons with getting an award, which is probably sponsored, requires him to talk. But um, they, they should work with Tamani because this is a kid who has the potential to go to the EPL. There's an interest. There's already talk of the English national team paying attention to him. Um, and obviously that ability, you know, the, the, the clubs in Portugal don't just train you to play. A lot of times they'll also protect you from the press and, and tell you how to deal with the press and teach it because it's also a skill you're going to need to learn when you go to a bigger club in uh, Europe where the attention is so much stronger you know, than the attention you're going to get from Portugal. But uh, great player. Uh, I just wonder if anybody works with him regarding uh, question and answer uh, sessions. I think that's not uh, really being too critical. Um, let me get going here talking about... Um, I got some questions uh, from uh, some fans, uh, some viewers. Uh, they were basically asking me about... Uh, so it's very simple. You could uh, email me, peacesoccer at, uh, at gmail.com. You could send a DM on uh, Twitter. Yes, you're not sliding into the things. I'm more than happy to get your uh, DMs. Uh, same thing on Instagram. Um, or just hit me up and I will be able to answer. I don't answer them all. I certainly I try not to repeat them, but uh, I have some of the best, I think, listeners. And every once in a while, I want to pick uh, some new people out. First of all, I had a question from Michael, uh, who I sent it via Gmail. Hello, Michael. I think you're the I think you're from Connecticut. If I'm looking at that, um, I think you play uh, high school soccer. If I'm looking at your photo here, um, centralization of T rights. He basically asks, what does it mean to have centralized TV rights, and don't they already have it? Um, so what happens now in Portugal is that every club in Portugal has their own TV deal. Um, now, I think in some ways they already have centralization of TV rights because like Gold TV here in the USA broadcasts the matches. And I'm pretty sure Gold, um, Gold TV doesn't negotiate with all 18 teams of Portugal to show their matches here. I'm sure that they're getting 
those broadcast rights from some marketing company probably. So I don't know if the central is, so I, I, let me just say I'm a little bit confused because at least I know for a fact, based on what I've heard, that you know when it's talked about showing the Portuguese league in other parts of the world, you know they're not negotiating with Porto, Benfica, Sporting, or Braga individually. They're negotiating and they're getting the Liga package and they're usually showing anywhere from three to five matches uh, per week. So when it comes to Gold TV, there's got to be a centralization of TV rights because they're negotiating with one person. But apparently the clubs are going to get together and they're going to try to join forces and try to get more money internationally, especially domestically. Um, the thing about this, the question is, is what does this mean for the bigger clubs in Portugal? Benfica has said they do not want to see the situation hurt them, whereas they would get less money than what they are already getting, showing their games on BTV. They're concerned about that. And then you have people like uh, Salvador, the, pre the uh, president of Braga, who's come out and said that he'd be willing to take a hit if it's going to be good for the Liga. So you've got a lot of opinions about whether or not centralization of TV rights is a very good thing. Um, the thing is, to me, I think it's very good in my opinion, for the smaller clubs, if they're able to get more money than they do now. I think a few years ago, one of the smaller clubs in Portugal was only getting like a million or two million uh, in the TV deal, which is, I'm sorry to say, in, when you're competing in football, uh, peanuts, um, menduinas, I mean, nothing. It's nothing. Um, but if that helps the smaller clubs, that might help the smaller clubs be more competitive and not necessarily keep players, because we all know that's very hard to keep players. There's just not that much money down there. But at least get more better players and maybe some of the players will stick around because there's going to be only so many players that are going to attract a good money and not every player is going to be sold on every small club. So to me, it's good. It may not be good for the bigger clubs because I'd be curious to see if they're going to wind up getting less money. And if that happens, that's going to be a problem. So there's a little bit of a balancing act that the Liga and the company that they're going to create has to do this. But the point is, is they're trying to come together as one in the hopes that that will get them more money. Now, we already heard, and I don't know if there's been a change, and if there is, please hit me up and let me know. I don't ever want there to be bad information in this podcast, but I thought I had heard France pulled out of showing Liga BetClick. England wasn't showing it as well. I've not heard any updates uh, since. Uh, I think Brazil, if I heard correctly, doesn't have it. Something about they weren't included in the South American deal. Um, but we get it here in the States, and I know, we, you know people get it in uh, Canada. So it's about pooling. Now, will this work? I don't know. I don't know. Um, if it gets brings more money into the league, great. But if it brings more money to the smaller clubs and less money to the big clubs, then a lot of people are going to want to centralize. So it's a delicate situation. They do it in Spain, and it somehow works. Um, in the Premier League, I believe all the clubs get the money. Now, there could be bonuses. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, look, should Benfica get the same amount of money, or should Roca or Vizela get the same amount of money as uh, Benfica Porto Sporting? Probably not. And I'm sure there's going to be some type of system set up for that where the bigger clubs are still going to get more money. The question is, is even though they get more money than the smaller clubs, the money they get, will it be less than they're getting right now if you go into centralization? So those are questions that have to be answered, but we'll see if this one, we're all in the same page approach works. But I think for me, it's it's something uh, to think about, and um, I think it's something to we're going to see. We're going to see, and I think they are trying to do something as soon as uh, next year. From everything I've heard, um, Gomes sends me a thing, and he basically asks, "What's the best way to get tickets to a match in Portugal?" 
uh, doesn't seem to be very easy to do so in advance. Um, so, look, if you want to go to see a match in Portugal, it's going to be hard to get a match with one of the big three. Uh, for what I've been told, Benfica is a very tough ticket because they sell a lot of the season passes. Porto as well. Sporting, some people say there's more opportunity to get some tickets because I don't think they necessarily always sell out. Uh, a lot of people question uh, Sporting's attendance numbers sometimes. But the truth of the matter is, is if you want to watch the big clubs play, it's going to even be harder if you go see them play at the smallest clubs because the smaller club stadiums are smaller. So, you know, my advice for people is, you know, you probably got to contact the club. You probably are better off seeing a Boavista, a Braga. Um, if you, if, if, you know, it, it's just hard. It's just hard. Uh, with the bigger clubs to get tickets because the truth of the matter is, is they're very popular games and a lot of people uh, get the uh, what we call the season passes they call them game boxes with sporting and other different names I think Benfica pass or something like that for Benfica it's not an easy thing to do but um, if you keep looking and you talk to enough people you might be able to find someone um, that might be able to not use you know maybe sell tickets um, I'm not really sure what the laws are in Portugal if you're allowed to sell tickets or if you have to give them back to the club and the club sells them for you, I, I really don't know. But the point is, is if you want to watch some football and you're in Lisbon, check out Bilanenses, check out Estoril Praia, check out Estoril Amadora. There's a lot of football in Lisbon. There's a lot of football. Rio Ave, you know, you've got Oliverense, you've got Boa Vista. Uh, then, of course, you got Braga. If you ever wanted to go to Barcelos, you could go see Gil Vicente. But it's a tough ticket. Um and I've heard different stories about it. If you're a sauceu, I know people that are sauceus in the United States, I've heard stories, just for the sake of making sure that they can get uh, tickets, um, even though if they may only go a half a dozen times a year. <coughs> Excuse me. I've heard that. Um, but uh, I'll try to find out more information in the future, but it is a, a very, very, very uh, tough uh, ticket. Um, Mario asks, you keep saying Braga is a big four club, but do you really believe that they, are, that they can be uh, as big as a Porto Benfica Sporting or even maybe a Guimarães? Um, I think I answered this question last week or two weeks ago. Um, in my opinion, Braga can be the type of club that can compete regularly in Europe. And they can be the type of club, especially if they're competing regularly in the Champions League. Um, if Braga finishes second next year, they go to the Champions League playoffs. And that means two of the three, uh, two of the big three are not playing in the Champions League next year. So Braga could really set the tone by trying to finish in the top two and really hurt two of the other bigger clubs. And if you do that for a few years, you have to give them a little bit more respect than you are now. They are not the size of a Guimarães, not even close. But it is a club that's growing. They just got $30 million for qualifying. They didn't do necessarily big sales. They still got Ricardo Huerta. Remember last summer? Oh, I think it was back in January. Everybody thought Ricardo Huerta was going to go to Benfica, and it hasn't happened. They brought in Bruma. They brought in Josef Font. Um, Braga may not in size be a big four club, but big four, I, I think big four, what I'm trying to say, Big four means you can compete for the top four and you can compete for a Champions League spot. And I think under that definition, they can do that, even though this year they've off to a little bit of a slump. I still think they're going to be there at the top to compete. Now, are they big in resources? No. They're not even close to a Benfica. Not even close 
to to the fan bases of Oporto, and uh, you know, of course not. Uh, you give somebody a chance that you you give somebody tickets. You say, do you want to go to a Porto match or a Braga match? Of course, people are going to want to go to a Porto match. Uh, they're not there yet, but you know what? They're successful for a few years, and some of these players from. South America or other parts of the world, Scandinavia, wherever it may be, all of a sudden start picking Braga because they want to play Champions League football regularly over the other clubs, then you know Braga has made a very, very uh, big uh, difference. So those are my questions for the week. And again, whether it's critical, whether it's just asking me my opinion about something, even if it's something I don't generally talk about, hit me up, PeaceSoccerCOM at gmail.com or send me a message through the social media accounts, uh, PeaceSoccerCOM on Twitter. Uh, PortugueseSoccer.com on Facebook, Portuguese underscore soccer underscore noticias on Instagram. Let me wrap it up talking about my club in Portugal, and that is, of course, Atletico dos Arcos. They uh, were eliminated from the second round of the Itaça de Portugal this weekend. They uh, they got a bye. They didn't play in the first round. They went straight to the second round, and um, they played a club, Malveira, um, 2-2, went to um, extra time, nothing, and then they went to penalty kicks, and they lost. Um... I was traveling, so I was listening to the Rolatu on my phone uh, with my earbuds. Um, and let me just say this. The announcer for the game was upset. Uh, he felt the referee was not following the standards of being a referee. At one point, he he was just angry. He felt that the referee didn't do them any favors. And I was thinking about recording it so you could listen to it, but I don't necessarily. I just felt like, yeah, you know what? It wasn't pretty to hear that, um, so I'm not going to do that to anybody. But um, the point is, is um, it was a disappointing result. Um, it would have been nice to see them in this draw, maybe see if they can get a first division club to come to Cristóbal Vies. Uh, but it's very disappointing. And as far as the Liga goes, uh, they're near the top. They've got one less match played. Uh, they're playing this weekend, and then they're playing another match uh, next Thursday to make up for the fact that you know they had to play last weekend in the Itasa de Portugal because the rest of the district's league uh, still played their regular matches, so they've got to make uh, one up. And uh, it was disappointing. And again, if you go by the announcer, it sounds like they just had a lot, you know, it didn't work out for them, and they got a lot of bad things that worked their way. And it looks like this club, Malveda, had a very good goalkeeper, and they came in and they beat us. But listen, at the end of the day, it's about winning our district and trying to get to the fourth tier. I've uh, been doing this podcast for several years, and it's been frustrating the last two years that we haven't been able to make it, even though we finished second. Um, we, we get that close. Last year, we were in first place through January, and then we blew it. So very disappointing. And by the way, they continue not to broadcast games. Um, very, very disappointing. Anyway, folks, I'm going to wrap up episode 190 of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. Uh, again, please... Um, Take care of yourselves. Uh, it's been crazy this weather where I live. It's nothing but rain. It feels like every day. But hopefully in your part of the world, it is sunnier and brighter. Enjoy the Classico. Enjoy the football this weekend. Enjoy the Champions League and Europa football next week. Roberto Martinez will announce his squad selections next Friday, and I'll talk about that. Uh, or I'll give you a sneak preview of that next Thursday because that will be next Friday. Um, and again, as I always say to you, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, thank you for listening. Please take care of yourselves. Please take care of your families. And I'll talk to you next week. Ciao, everybody.